Hello, this is the Exiting Your Echo Chamber podcast where we learn how to be in the world but not of the world. We also try to understand how we can navigate the various worldviews that are available so that you would give the reason for the faith that we have. Right, let's pray. Uh, gracious Father, we are so much grateful once again for the gift of life. We thank you for preserving us. We thank you for this evening once again. We thank you for your grace and the opportunity you have given us to even gather and meet here and discuss and share ideas. We pray that Lord lead us in this discussion. In everything we do, may your name be glorified and we shall give you the glory and honor. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So, um, yeah, so today is another beautiful day that God has given to us. And I, I believe that we had awesome days, yeah. So that has been really eventful for me, but glory to God. Um, so the past episode, we were looking at how to engage competing ideas, and it was pretty fruitful discussion and quite extensive. Today, we are looking at um, asking questions. Okay, so um, so I, I saw last week we um, looked at engaging competing ideas, and it was a pretty fruitful discussion. One thing that I just want to add up before we zoom into uh, today's episode, where we are looking at, at asking questions, asking questions, right? So one thing that I normally do in, in how to prep myself in how to, I mean, when I want to engage competing ideas is on a particular subject matter that I am not very conversant with, I try and find an online resource, especially one that is likely to be a debate between um, is it the, the, let's say the proponent, I don't know whether he's in the term correctly, but the proponent of the other world view I'm trying to engage and let's say the best person, uh, represent, uh, representative of my worldview as well as they engage in, um, let's say, a conversation or let's say um, a debate. So that's how I, I try to process it. So after the, then I would also glean my own um, conclusion from it. So I, th- I thought I would share this and I believe you'll find it helpful. So asking questions. Um, I think one of our very first episodes, uh, Maraba um, brought up uh, the, the idea of um, when he was engaging, I think one, was it a lecturer or someone respectable? Instead of um, going back and forth, she was, she just asked questions, right? So I want to start off with you, Araba. Um, what informed that approach that you used? I mean, why did you end up not necessarily sharing your views on a subject matter, but you started by asking questions? So I think we want to start off with Araba. Okay, I think for me, I realized that very often it's easy for people to make sweeping statements. Like, um, I don't know, they make sweeping statements that seem to cover so many things. So, okay, like what, what people say, men are scum, for example. So, okay, that's a sweeping statement because it affects every man out there. So the question, so you want to know, instead of just going off to say, no, that's not the truth. You want to know, okay, you, you are saying this. It means you believe in the reality of it. Let me question it a bit more know why you are saying what you are saying what has informed your decision have you really considered all the angles before you made that sweeping statement it makes it easier for you who is answering to be able to i mean address the issues one by one because if it's a sweeping statement then you don't really know which angle to tackle it from it's like a student telling you that i don't understand the whole show you you teach a whole topic and they tell you i don't get it at all Probably it's not that they don't get everything, but there are certain points that are not really clear to them. So you want to know exactly where they are coming from. And so I think that's what informed the questions that I asked to know what they mean by what they say. Why that sweeping statement? What what exactly do you mean by what you've said? Where are you coming from? What informed that statement? And then based on whatever answers they give, you can maybe direct their thoughts or share what you also have. That's great. Um, I hope it's not um, an experience you had quite recently because I know you do some lecturing. <laughs> I hope that your students have not been giving the whole show. I mean, as an answer. Um, they, they, they do sometimes. <laughs> then I, I know what exactly they don't understand. And usually it comes out that they have a single question. You answer and then they are fine. Yeah, that's that's pretty powerful. Um, um, I think, Pamp, have you have you employed this strategy or say let this tactic as well? Even before yeah, we yeah. delve into it. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So yeah, also I remember uh, before I answer, I remember I think I was in class 
five or so, and a teacher, we're doing mass. They are so don't you understand? And uh, together with another guy, I said the whole shoe. We said the whole shoe, and that was like one of the worst days in my life. So that's uh, I don't like that statement at all. It brings bad bad memories for me. But um, anyway, to answer the question, I remember I was speaking with somebody a couple of years ago, and she was like, she met, I think, a Buddhist also, either a Buddhist or a Hindu, one of them. And so she basically asked the person very simple questions, you know, about what they believe. I can't really remember the questions, but she asked very simple questions. The person was like, oh, okay, I've never really thought of that before. And the person really began to think about it and realize that also maybe what she believed, it didn't really make sense in certain ways, right? And so I believe that asking questions opens people up to their own assumptions that they've never really thought about certain things before, but then they just assumed it and just believed it and so once you ask questions it opens them to, up to their own assumptions and then you can uh, build on from there and you know especially when you want to find out why do you believe this like why 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 do you think it makes sense um what best explains the reason for your belief in you know this thing and so once you begin to ask those questions you, be, you begin to see how the person you know reasons or processes his ideas and then you can you know build on from there it also helps you to get a better understanding of what the person believes because definitely we are using words and what the person is saying, I mean, could mean differently from what you are, how you understand what the person is saying, right? And so once you ask questions, it helps you to also get a better understanding of what they are saying and it, it makes the conversation more fruitful, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a very good one. I mean, it gives us some level of clarity. And as Bible study coordinator, I know that some of the you keep asking questions and ministering questions all over. So, I mean, if that has been your experience, how, what's informed it and how helpful has it been for you? Like, yeah. And as I said, if anyone makes any submission, you can pick off. I mean, even before I come, you can pick off or ask a question based on what you said and you just keep the conversation flowing. Okay, so the question, we are looking at um, asking questions, you know, even in a, um, generally asking questions related to how we, interact with people concerning our faith and um, wanted to know if you've employed it and I mean, what was your rationale? Okay, okay, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I've, I've been doing that for me particularly. It's mostly to know the motive, um, why people are asking the questions. Because I think, as I said um, two or three weeks ago um, about, I try to avoid vain and as poor as it useless discussion or argument or gesture. So sometimes people ask me questions particularly it has to do with um, why I believe what I believe, not necessarily because they are interested in the answer, but it's just because of an ulterior motive. So by asking questions, I'm, I'm able to um, discern why they are asking me this question. Some of them, they already know the answer. Some of them, whether I give them the correct answer or not, they will believe what they will believe. So yeah, I do employ it. And I think for me, it's just to know the motive and why you are asking that question. So if I discern that it's a genuine motive to really know, it's a genuine motive to really learn, then I'll be invested. Because for me in particular, I, I, I take questions about my faith seriously. I want to make sure that um, you understand, you are convinced from, I've given you all the evidence available from scripture. Uh-huh. So it, it really pains me to invest all my energy just to realize that, um, you are not really concerned about the answer, but maybe you just want to prove a point that I mean, what I believe is wrong or something else. So yes, I do. And I think Jesus himself employed it a lot. Just um, this week, I was just reading and I noticed that even the man at the, at the pool of Bethsaida, you see a man who has been lame for 38 years and the first question you can ask him is that, do you want to be made whole? And I found that very interesting. Why, why would you ask a sick man if he wants to be healed? Of course, he would want to be healed. But then why ask? So it just lets us know that sometimes people don't even know what they want. And you should not assume that the fact that somebody is lame or the fact that somebody is asking you a question means that he genuinely wants to know. So yes, I do. And it's to mostly screen their motives. Thank you. All right. Um, so this is a very interesting one. We would look at some instances uh, where Jesus, or even if it individual, if you could think about um, how Jesus kind of employed it in his conversation with people and what you gleaned from that exchange. I think that would, you can maybe, that would come in later. So I think as 
thing that stands out from all the submissions that you've made is, um, I think was from Maraba or even from Sama. So we want to know whether one, the person truly needs um, an answer. I mean, the, the person is truly seeking an answer, right? And also the motive, um, the motive for asking that question. Right, so um, taking it from here, um, how do you even proceed? Um, I think I've lost my train of thought on this one. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so how, um, so we come to the point where that doesn't mean that um, generally the questions that actually, first of all, I mean, we've probably addressed this before, but when you have communication, does it mean that um, um, what people say doesn't necessarily appear to be what they mean generally? Does it mean that even people within their own worldviews, they don't even understand themselves? I mean, is that the point? Is that the reason for asking all these questions and all that? I don't know if what I'm saying is clear enough. Or the truth about a person's stance and it's not really, it's not that obvious. Can, can we say that? Oh, I don't think that's always the case. Um, maybe some people on their own, they are also doing personal studies and they are also maybe noticing certain things and they are hoping that we may have an answer. Some people are really genuine, like um, Nicodemus when he came to seek Jesus at night. Even though he came at night, he would doubt about his credibility, but it was not because he wanted to tempt Jesus or it was not because he wanted to um, but prove Jesus wrong or right. But it was because he genuinely had a concern. But unfortunately, there are some who also come just to cause disturbance, <laughs> if I should say. So it's not always the case, yeah. All right, okay. Yeah, you know, and, time, yeah. yeah, sure. And also, you know, on the subject of echo chambers, because when, you, when you're in an echo chamber and, you know, you hear the same things being repeated and your own um, ideas are being reinforced, it's really difficult to maybe think along different lines. Right. And so when, when you meet somebody like that and then you begin to ask them questions, genuinely, it's because of how they've been taught and how they've been taught to think on certain things. And so they may never really consider um, an alternative uh, point of view unless you ask them certain questions and then or they begin to actually consider it and like, oh, okay, this actually makes sense and I've never really thought of it. And so, uh, yeah, that could also be another reason. So definitely some people are not um, genuine about what they say, but I think most people are, most people are. So when you ask people questions, it really helps. Yeah. All right. All right and um, building from what was just shared, I think that very often too, we have been on the same issue of echo chamber. We have been in certain echo chambers and have believed certain things for so long that we've not really bothered to find out how true those things that we have believed are. Because sometimes even certain people think that there are certain things, let's say in the Bible, because they've had it said over and over again. For example, cleanliness is next to godliness. People would just think that, okay, this is somewhere in the Bible. They've never really checked or bothered to confirm whether this thing is in scripture. But some people would actually say that, okay, this thing is in the Bible. So I think asking questions causes people to look beyond what they've heard over and over again and actually want to know, okay, where is this thing coming from? And then I think it's, it starts a great conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it was, I listened to um, John Lennox, Professor John Lennox, and he, what he said was that if anyone comes at you, I mean, people who normally say things about, let's say, the what they would call perceived error in the Bible and all that, when they normally come at you, the first thing that you should do is to let them read the Bible together with them, right? Read the Bible together with them, and from what he shared from his experience, uh, I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm just exaggerating. I'm just giving run, um, random percentage over here, but like, okay, let me not give a percentage, but like a large chunk of those people who come with supposed or so-called um, objections have not even read the text themselves, and this. <laughs> This is so 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 serious. Like they they so they I mean as they they keep parroting um, what is widely accepted in their echo chamber, right? Without even um, first of all, what they keep parroting what is being said about the let's say the opposing view, right? Without even getting to know what um, the, the 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 person actually believes, and if you just tell them to let's just simply read the Bible, you'd be like, oh my God, like they they. They've been butchering their thing all over. They've been creating a text for themselves, and that's how they, they roll. I think Kompa made a statement about um, opening people up in their own assumptions. I don't know if you want to explore this a little further. 
what what do we mean by that because i think when you're making a submission you say something like that yeah yeah sure yeah even before i come to that so i was even um, picking up from what you just said and what araba said sometimes it even baffles me right when you pick the bible and you look at maybe different denominations or groups like christian denominations christian groups and the same portion of scripture they have like completely opposing views on it and sometimes when i sometimes i just think about it and it baffles me like so how what's happening here how is that this they are reading the same thing and they are coming to different conclusions or they are seeing the text you know so differently and so i think that in, in that kind of scenario you know it really helps to ask questions when you know you really want to be fruitful and have a fruitful discussion and not just maybe argue and then prove that one oh, right and this person is wrong you know that that doesn't really help in any way and then if you really want to have you know a good and fruitful you know discussion it really helps you you know ask questions because you are reading the same passage you are reading the same you know bible and then they come to like totally different conclusions like this person is completely wrong on this and you know it, sometimes it baffles me but then coming back to the other thing on opening people up to their own assumptions yeah because uh, as said you know because in the equipment usually because of how you've been taught and so you thought to you know see this or think this when they ask that this how you respond or this what this means so it's just uh, it's like second nature to you you know just comes to you that's how you process the whole thing and you've never really questioned it before because you accept it makes sense to you because that's what we've been hearing over and over again and so you totally assume that that's the truth but then until someone comes in and asks you that okay have you actually thought of it this way before and you begin to think about it also okay no really i've never thought about it this way before then you need to process it differently and then you can see you know um the issue from a different angle but if that never happens you may never do that you may continue to assume that how you how you believe or how you think is the truth and maybe that's the only view out there and that's the consensus and so that's okay until someone else comes in and then says that okay brings in a different angle and then you see okay let me consider this and let me think about it this way then you can actually begin to see things differently all right i don't know if we are, we are clear on what it means to open people up in their own assumptions I don't know if anyone wants to give it to go as well. So um yeah so um just the same idea of opening people up in their own assumptions. The thing is the truth about certain things is not even really uh, most of I mean sometimes it's not even really just evident or obvious to people right. But as uh, compass said within the equation but the whole view it's like um you know sometimes I think let me just use this example of Like we have a Pentecost guy over here, so I think he can help me if I'm showing off. I think the whole thing about wearing um, scarf, is it headgear or scarf, whatever name they give to it, to church, right? I'm assuming that it was probably um, instituted for within a specific time period for um, a particular reason, right? For a particular reason. But then over time, it became a practice and the the, the reason for its establishment, I'm assuming got lost along the line then we have our oldies who have been brought up with that um, practice right over time and they've come to hold it so dearly as doctrine i mean basically that's how the doctrines are formed in ways so they've come to hold it and they didn't um question they did not even thought of it they just go in the flow and it's like i mean you want to keep the natural order of things right and then later when the generation comes that wants to have <laughs> a generation that wants to have their own we start asking the very pertinent questions about why we do this and that then they be like okay so you get to a point of whether we just want to um, enforce what has become the status quo or we really want to know the truth and i think that's how some of these things play out and it's, it's quite an interesting thing to um, observe. That's when we structures that have been uh, there for so long are supposed to be hewn down and all that. And I don't know if by extension, this is this can be applied to um, the experience um, Martin Luther had, right? He wrote on, is it 99 or 95 thesis? I think it should be 99. Uh, I don't know, I it could be 95, but... 99. Yeah, I think 99, I think so. Yeah, yeah so he wrote, so... Uh, I mean, he... Okay, he got to know something about scripture and was like, no. Then he started questioning, um, um, what do you call it, the the, the practice, right? And he just had to just change things. And so that's one thing. So I mean, I would, I don't know if if anyone is ready with this. So let me start off with um, one thing that 
one of Jesus' encounter. I think some have given one already, but let me just start one over here. The issue of um, one of the five, the issue of paying, I mean, paying taxes to Caesar. For those of us, I mean, I believe that uh, Christian friends who might be listening should be familiar with this, but those who are not, I think um, you would find that, let me see, I'll get a scripture reference for us. For that, for, for that one, for that specific example, you realize that okay, it's in um, Matthew chapter twenty-two. I think we can find it over there. So they attempted to trap Jesus in his words. Let me even dwell on this a little. I mean, the whole you realize that people we have a lot of people who are very creative and very masterful when it comes to using words. Like their <laughs> their game is not here. They 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 know how to really look at context and all that and how words to achieve specific purposes that are that's i mean they're very subtle or you will not even catch them so we have an instance over here where they ask jesus is it right to pay um, tax or tribute to caesar or not so there's a uh, one question right and let's just consider look at Jesus' approach so you realize that some of us when a question i think one 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 um thing that we should be able to learn is that whenever a question um uh, is posed to us asking when someone poses a question right asking more questions would rather clarify and reduce the, the so-called question the higher level question to its barest minimum and that is what we see over here so jesus asked them to bring um a coin right for them to see if, if i mean if you're talking about um first of all let's go this way what what would you have done in your case i mean let's forget about jesus approaching Let's see what would have what we could have you would have done in your case, right? I mean, this is the ideal, but let's say roughly speaking, what would have been your attempts? Let's 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 just take it from there and see. Um, and any takers, forget about Jesus's approach and let's see um, how you would have handled it if it were to be you. I mean, this should be a tough. I think this is a tough one, but like let's give it a try. Um, any any takers? Yeah, I mean, thank God it was in me because he would have got easy. <laughs> would have got to me easily but yeah i think it goes back to show that when um a person asks a question maybe the intent or the motive behind their question is usually more important than the question you know itself and this question the people were not were clearly not interested in whether or not they should pay tax that wasn't their motive they didn't care about whether or not you know people should pay tax and then the whole point was to you know put jesus in a corner and jesus was really smart and then you know um, he, he 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 was aware of that and then he handled it perfectly. But I think that if it were me, uh, I don't know, I might I might have found it. <laughs> That's what I think it would have been. I might have just gone and said, "Oh yeah, of course you have to pay taxes because I mean everybody's paying taxes." That's what I might have done. But maybe in that situation, I would have also you know thought of what the uh, the guys are actually trying to achieve with that question and maybe find a way. Maybe not as good as Jesus did, but I would have found another way maybe. I don't know. Sure. I mean, this, I know this is quite challenging, but I mean, Sam, how would you have approached it? And you would probably, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, Sam can okay. go through it. Okay, Araba, Araba can go through Yes. Um, I don't think I, I, I know what exactly I would have done, but, you know, if I'm just looking at the scripture and the preceding verse before they even ask the question, they try to flatter Jesus. We know that you are sincere and you don't, um, you are not, I mean, you, you do not favor anybody and all those things. I mean, right from scratch, if you start doing this, my defenses would be up and I would know that there's something going on because already we are not buddies. So why this sudden, you know, um, wonderful words about me? So then, of course, the motive aspect would be very important. You want to know why the person is asking. And for me, that preceding verse and what they did would have helped me to identify that these people are not really interested in um, knowing what the law says, but then they just want to trap me. And then typical Ghanaian or the way I approach this, I would have tried to point them out to the benefits of taxation. You know, when they collect the money, they use it to build roads, they use it to do this, they use it to do that. God is interested in our progress. So <laughs> uh, maybe taxes are good because they help to provide basic amenities that we need. I, I don't think that at the time, though, that was exactly what taxes were used for. They, they played a role in developing um, the 
communities. But then for them, I think the basic reason why taxes were taken was to enrich the emperor and to let them know that, okay, we are the rulers over you. Um, so I think that the dynamics were a little different from what they are now. But probably if I was asked that question in the now, I may have failed woefully in answering the question on a religious angle because it was they asked if it was lawful and they were trying to ask Jesus to answer from the Jewish law whether it was lawful. Yeah. All right. Before Sam see, you know, I find it interesting that Arama said that the you know the vibe they were giving Jesus would have made a difference. Media would have I would have been excited. I was like, oh yes, finally the people their eyes have opened. So what <laughs> They should be seeing, you know, that's how I'll be feeling like. So that's interesting. And then, secondly, I really wish Jesus had said, had said that we shouldn't pay taxes. So right now, we will stop all this levy and all those things. We'd have a good contract with that. Yeah, and all right. Um, based on, I'm not part, let me issue a disclaimer. I'm not part of this conspiracy. Um, Thank you. I'm also not part. <laughs> okay, so now you can come in. Okay. Um, I also don't think I would have given the answer Jesus gave. And I'm sure I would have given a similar answer to what Araba gave. I like to call it a social studies type of answer. But as Araba said, I think that the, the, the motive was, you know, they were Jews. And you paying tax to Caesar is more of empowering Caesar, who was um, ruling over them. So it's more about, are you saying that we should continue to submit to Caesar? Or we should, in quotes, try and revolt against Caesar and become independent. So for me, that's how I'm seeing the question. It's more about, do you think we should continue to submit to Caesar? Or you, as, in quotes, the king of the Jews, do you think that we should now begin to gather our coup d'etat strategy? And of course, I would have given the social studies answer. But then my answer would have been <laughs> political. In the sense that if I agree that we should continue to be under Caesar, I would have said, oh, yes, you must pay your tax to Caesar. But if I was, in quotes, part of the coup d'etat people, I'm sure I would have told them that, no, let us rather gather their money, buy ammunition, and declare our independence. So I wouldn't have, have, have looked at it in Jesus' angle at all. I would have looked at it in either a political view or in a social studies view that, oh, yeah, we need to build roads and all those things. So basically, yeah. Uh, that, this is quite interesting because um, the point I wanted to drive at, Sam has actually I mean, said this, and I think Araba made, uh, made the same in the submission. You got to realize now, now the question was not necessarily about paying tax. Right? This is one thing that um, we should be, I mean, we've been saying this, but we should watch out for. We should really try and drill down what's the real, is it like the question behind the question? Um, I think was I think Ravi was one of his speakers uses the idea that some of these questions are generally what he'll call smoke screens, right? They are not the real stuff, right? So if um, example, um, so I mean the the real question was the the people. <laughs> what I mean when you are reading about Jesus's interaction with these people, you see a lot of interesting stuff. The people were one very mindful of the, their audience. The, the Pharisees and all that, they were very conscious of the audience whenever they are asking a question or they are posing anything to Jesus. That's one thing that we should also take care of. Given the particular context or given the particular audience, I mean, uh, the way we approach things should be different. So we realized that the main question was, should we continue to encourage the, um, uh, what do you call it? Do you, should we continue to encourage, is it imperialism or whatever, suppression of the Jews? Or we should honor God, right? So I mean, no, even the, the God part wasn't uh, even it was Jesus who brought that aspect into it. And another another thing that we observe is in, in Jesus's reply, right? You realize that Jesus asked them, um, okay, even Jesus actually pointed out their hypocrisy to them before he answered the question, right? But he just brought the coin in whose image is this, right? And they said Caesar, and he gave he said give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and to God what is God. Um, but here's the thing. Why do you think Jesus had brought in the answer of uh, give to God what belongs to God? I mean, I mean, this question just came to mind. I'm like, I think it would be great to know about what do you think um, was Jesus's reason for? Because I mean, they asked you about paying taxes to Caesar, right? That was the the question, right? That that, that was tell us the, the the NIV says tell us then what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? So this was 
the clear question. So why do you think Jesus um, brought up the, the, the other parts that says that, and to God, what is God, if anyone can? This, this question just came to mind. If anyone has any um, thoughts they want to share on why you think God just, uh, Jesus Christ answered the question that way. The second part of the answer, that's what I mean. Well, I think I was given some thoughts and I'm thinking that, well, you know, we already established or we have pointed out the fact that by paying taxes to Caesar, then they were indicating that they were submitting to Caesar in a way. And well, the Jewish system was a theocracy where, I mean, God was their leader until they, they had their own king or they asked for a king. And at all times, the king was supposed to be submitted to God. So if Jesus brought in that dynamic of giving to Caesar that which is Caesar's and giving to God that which is God's, it means that he actually looked behind the question and, I mean, pointed them out to the fact that, I know you're not asking me about taxes. You're asking me about whether we should continue to be subjected to Caesar, who is not godly, or we should be subjected to God. And I'm telling you that give to Caesar the obeisance that he requires as your maybe secular leader, but always honor God as your spiritual head. I'm 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 thinking along those lines. Yes, thank you. Mm, all right, um, Kampa, if you have something. Yeah, sure, sure. So I think that um, earlier when um, Sam and Araba were making the statement about how Jesus, um, when they asked Jesus the question, was really about whether or not they should empower the state that was you know uh, ruling them, the Jewish people, or He's saying that they shouldn't pay, if he had said that they shouldn't pay taxes, would have meant that, okay, now they should, you know, resist them and oppose them and then try and fight for their own freedom. But thinking about that, I just think that what Jesus was trying to show them was that even Jesus claiming to be the Messiah or the sent one, because the Messiah would have been a political figure in the minds of the Jews, right? And who would come and defeat the oppressive state and then establish the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Israel, and then, you know, rule forever and all that. I think Jesus is just trying to show them that you can actually serve God, obey him, um, give what belongs to him, while still, you know, being under the Roman Empire. And he's trying, just trying to show them the whole world really cares about it's not a political, you know, a, a state or something, but then the state of your heart stores him. Yeah, that's right. Mm. All right, Yeah, so it's. I, I, I mean, another thing that normally comes up when um, Christians give this answer, where it's as if um, we are supposed to worship God, and the the, the answer comes of as if we should we should be um, is that what we call passive aggressive, or we should be relaxed concerning the the authorities that we. I mean, the political authorities that and the things they do. I mean, when we some of the time when we give these answers, it comes of us. Um, very unhelpful to people who like who want action stuff like that. I mean, but there's there's just a passing comment on it. I think Sammy already can you come in with you? Um, okay. So yes, um, I agree with what everyone has said. I'm just trying to see if I can add another dimension to it, in the sense that if I was the one answering the question and I gave such an answer, it's because Jesus was led to let their lives or trying to make them aware that in as much as you have a political affiliation and you give your best to that political entity, especially, let's say, in Ghana, you'll be amazed the way people invest so much emotionally, everything, into their political party. So I think Jesus is that is seizing the moment to let them know that the same way you invest in political agendas, political uh, movement, do not forget that you are not just a political being, but you yourself, you belong to somebody, or there's a higher call, or there's a higher identity to yourself. So I think Jesus was just seizing the moment to let them know that. In as much as you are concerned about politics, which, frankly speaking, is a real idol in people, you should not lose sight of the fact that there's another identity that you have which supersedes that identity. So in as much as you pay obeisance to a particular empire, you should realize that you yourself, you belong to somebody. So I'm sure that um, there's a popular uh, Ravi Zakaria video that circulates about um, on this scripture where he ended by saying that um, whose image is on you. So that's what, what Jesus was trying to communicate, that in as much as you are concerned about Caesar, do not forget that you bear the image of God. So if you are able to come to the recognition that Caesar deserves taxes, Caesar deserves some sort of um, reverence, you should not forget that there's a particular image on you too. So one, you can see that maybe Jesus was seizing the moment to preach the gospel. Two, you can see that Jesus was actually answering 
the question behind their question, which was about who deserves our loyalty, who deserves our taxes, our reverence. Should we try and now fight for our independence or we should still submit? And Jesus is letting them know that as long as the image on the coin is for Caesar, please give him what is due. But do not forget that there's also an image on you. And if you have the, the, the understanding that Caesar deserves taxes, the person whose image is on you also deserves, in quotes, taxes. So I think that's the reason why Jesus was um, added that sentence to the answer. Yeah, that, that's great. I think, so, I mean, so that, that means that whenever people ask questions, you see, there's this thing where uh, I think Christians, generally, we are on, I think defensive is the right term. Yeah, we are kind of on the defensive most of the time, right, um, concerning our faith. And when they, they, they kind of drill us and all that, we provide um, the answers as available to us, as led by the Spirit in that particular moment. We just let them um, off the hook very easily. But Jesus wouldn't have you. I mean, Jesus wouldn't do that. Um, I wanted us to look at um, a different example in a different chapter, but looks like um, the this Matthew 22 has all the interesting questions and back and forth. So let's, when we proceed to the next uh, interaction, you know, the funny thing is <laughs> this question was asked by the Pharisees, right? And when you move to that from uh, Matthew chapter 22, verse 15 to 22, that's where, so after Jesus um, gave them that answer, they, they heard, when they heard it, they were amazed. So they left him and went away. And that's that's uh, like a point line, drop my scan, I feel. From the 23 to the 33, there's one interesting thing that happens. After the Pharisees came with their questions, now the Sadducees also came. And now this is their question. Um, the, Pharisees, um, the Sadducees, they are who say there's no resurrection. They came with a question. Jesus said um, to the said, teacher, he said, Moses told us that if a man dies without having children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up offspring for him. Now there were seven brothers among us. The first one married and died, and the, since he had no children, he left his wife to his brother. The same thing happened to the second third brother right down to the seventh. Finally, the woman died. Now then at the resurrection, whose wife will she be of the seventh, since all of them were married to her? And I don't know. Um, I mean, I think we've heard this, this scripture. What do you think is happening over here? Because, I mean, we have people who draw hypothetical Okay, what's happening over here is quite clear. Um, but I mean, if we can chime in before we look at Jesus' response as well, people come in with a whole lot of hypothetical issues. But you realize that at the um, at the, the the background, or as we say, the question behind the question has to do with people come to you. What what I glean from their question, and maybe others will come in. What they glean from this approach of asking questions. What I glean is that um, people come to you asking questions to affirm their existence stance, right? It's not necessarily about getting truth out of it, but they come in with all kinds of questions just to affirm their position and they just move on. That's what I see happening over here. I mean, before we go to Jesus' answer, if anyone can, we, we I think we are familiar with the story as well, if anyone can share their thoughts. Yeah. Yes. Okay, Sam. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I think so. For example, people do the same thing in, in today's society, especially when people come and ask you. I remember when they were having a Bible discussion and uh, I think there's somebody who bets, who gambles, and he's not making his mind that he's going to stop the gambling. But it just in quotes, irritates him that we are saying gambling should not be done by a Christian. Then he quickly asks, where in the Bible did he say we are, we are not supposed to gamble? Are we not investing? Then he's trying to give all sorts of scenarios that um, when you go to the bank and you, and you give your money to an investor, it's the same thing. Like that kind of argument. So you can see that it's not because... Um, they are interested in the answer, but it's just because of guilty conscience. They want to just uh, bully their way through their stance where they know clearly that what they are doing is not right, but just because they are comfortable in where they are, they want to try and justify their stance. So they come with all sorts of um, misquoted scriptures or scriptures taken out of context. So I think in that particular passage, Jesus answered by saying that you err because you do not know the truth or you do not know the scriptures, neither the power of God. So in the same answer um, I will give to somebody who comes to ask me about, let's say, gambling or one of those, if I say, new sins that we have invented, is that people are not really interested in the answer. So they will definitely find something, most importantly, a scripture that they can twist to kind of suit their stance. But what they don't realize is that anybody who thoroughly appreciates um, or who thoroughly understands the scripture will not make sense. Not anybody who understands the power of God. 
So like, sometimes people just ask those questions or people make these statements just because they're comfortable with where they are. Yeah, that, I mean, if they're in their comfort zone, but then because maybe they find themselves in a situation where people want to expose them, they want to quickly come up. Yes, they don't want to, they don't, they don't want to leave. So they don't want to solidify their stance and paint or to put makeup on their monkey, thinking that it will turn their monkey into a human being. I'm speaking to them. Okay, that's great. I mean, from far back, yeah, so, yes, what, I think what so. do you glean from this approach of questioning uh, the, the line of questioning that the the far, uh, no, that's how the CC used. Arab company, no, I know it's available. What's ready? Okay, um, I think for them, I, you realize that they knew that asking a straightforward question, if is there a resurrection or is there anything like the resurrection, would have yielded an answer that they probably didn't like. So to drive home their point and to, as it were, let you know that it is very logical that when you die, you should not rise up. So they now proceed to give a scenario that probably has been used over and over again by them to prove to other people that it is not possible that one would die and then rise again based on certain assumptions that they had. So I think that we, we do it a lot too. For example, I, I do it a lot for my work. If I have someone in the box and I'm asking them certain questions, I'm putting across my point. So obviously every question that I ask you, you may think that it's a harmless question, but really is it? I have a very strong motive for that. And you may ask a very simple question and realize you just threw yourself in under the bus or something. So yes, sometimes people give scenarios and examples. It's not really because they there's a scenario. I mean, it's not just any scenario, but there's a certain point in that scenario that they want to put across and they feel that that scenario is maybe their strong point and it's so logical that you cannot give an otherwise answer. It has to toe their line. Yeah, that's, I mean, okay, I've probably not really introduced Arba very well, but um, she's a learned colleague, a lawyer, so, I mean, if she says she puts you in a box, she should understand where she's coming from. So, um, compromise, you want to chime in, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I find that one very interesting, and it's just, it just baffles me, like, this kind of person. If I were Jesus, I would have, I would have probably just Look at this point too, they are not serious. That of all the things you could be concerned about, concerned the resurrection, concerned about who will marry the woman, you know. I mean, it just baffles you. Oh, God, what is going on? What's wrong with you? Why is this a bother at all? But then it goes back to show that they have a real intent and a real motive behind what they're asking. They're not just asking it for offensive. Of course, they know that it makes no sense to ask who would marry the woman in the resurrection because. I, think, I don't think anybody who believes in the resurrection, I mean, assumes that there's going to be marriage there. And so definitely they know that. But then because they have a motive, they're just trying to, you know, put you in a tight corner and then see how you can do it. And I think this just handles it quite brilliantly. I think if it were me, I would, I would have just told you that you're not serious. Get away from here. And uh, that would be it. <laughs> but I definitely mean that they have that agenda. So as Kompa was saying, I mean, Kompa made a point. He said that this before, I mean, in essence, they wanted to tell Jesus that the idea of resurrection is foolish <laughs> because they, they actually give a seemingly foolish hypothesis, right? Is it a hypothesis? No, a conjecture. Like they, they put a seemingly foolish thing and they were trying to link it to the whole idea of resurrection. So that's the point they actually wanted to make here with their question. Um, okay. Well, yeah, the, the question, of course, is to um, rubbish the idea of resurrection. But I don't think the scenario they give is it's out of order in, in their context. Because I think even in Ghana, we have, I'm not sure, but I think we have a culture like that where I know you can even marry for your brother or your sibling. You can stand in the place for that. And I'm not really sure, but I think maybe there's a tribe in Ghana that has that kind of thing that when your sibling dies, you are supposed to inherit it. And they may have stretched it with a number. I think they said six or seven. But I don't see, I think two or three is possible. It's, 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 I think even it happened Onan, um, in Genesis, if I'm, I'm not, yeah, I think in Onan's situation, Genesis, um, Jacob, when Onan's elder brother died and Onan had to marry the sister and give birth for the brother. And Onan did coitus interruptus because he knew that when he, um, when he impregnates his brother's wife, the child will not be for him. It will be for his brother, like who even though he's dead, he didn't want to do that. So I don't think the question was out of place, but I think that question was more to rubbish the idea of resurrection. And I also think that the question, they may have exaggerated with the number. And, and I just remember, as I was saying, the example of betting, 
I remember somebody had the same, and he was like, so if you were a pastor, and I bring my tithe of my bed, will you take or not? Then it's like, I'm trying to answer. They're like, nah, also for, I'm saying, if I bring my tithe, I go and win bed, 10,000, and I bring my tithe of 1,000, will you take it or not? You get, and the person was just trying to force it for me to say, oh, um, and I was like, how will I know the money, where the money is from, and blah, blah. And then you go like, nah, 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 also for, we are in the church, we know some people here who are doing illegal things. Has the Reverend ever gone to approach, you, you get that kind of idea. They try and simplify um, the question just to make um, the, the, the thing you are saying rubbish. If you are saying gambling is wrong, why is it that if I bring my tithes, you will take it? Yes. And then that's why I love the answer Jesus gave that you are making these statements because you think that in offering is just about presenting money to the altar. But that is not what offering is about. Offering is about honoring God with your substance. Offering is about recognizing who gave you the ability to make the money. So you see, when Jesus said that you do not know the scriptures, it's because we think that we look at things on a mere physical scale. We look at offering, just bringing money. We look at marriage, just standing in the place for someone or um, sleeping with someone and having children for the person. So we look at things very superficial. That is why we are like, most of us, we are one-dimensional. But we lose the sight of it. We lose sight of the fact that it is not just about the mere physical action, but about the implication of the action, the meaning of the action, what God sees about the action. That's why, that's what I think Jesus was trying to say, that you do not know the scripture. That is why you are saying that. So in the same place, if somebody says, that, hey, if I bring the money, Will you take the offering or not? I would say, well, you don't know the scripture because you think offering is just dropping money in the offering. The church mm. may receive the money. But God, before God, it's an insult to God. Before mm. God, you have offered, it's like Cain and Abel. You have offered a sacrifice, but how is God taking in the sacrifice? So it's not just about offering something. It's about the quality of the sacrifice. And that's what people who ask these type of questions, because they are one-dimensional, they think there's a straightforward answer to, to, to what, and when you try to sit them down, that's why I like Jesus. He didn't really bother himself to explain much. Because I, I was trying to sit the guy down and explain the guy the rudiments about betting, but I should have learned from Jesus, I tell you. This person has made up his mind. The betting now he will bet, and the poverty now he become poor. And he, sorry for talking much, but is it, and they will try and argue their point that, uh, who, I remember somebody who said something like, who do you know who has, um, become rich by betting, then they'll start making all sorts of um, scenarios that you the school crowd, Bill Gates didn't even go to school and he became rich. He go to school and he became rich. I know doctors, I know lawyers, and for all you know, they don't know any doctor or any lawyer personally who is not <laughs> who is not rich, but they just like to so I think that people try to be one dimensional. People try to make a rubbish of things by simplifying things. But what they are rather doing is to expose their ignorance and to expose their pride that Charlie, what they have made up their mind is it's, it's, it's what it is. So basically, yeah, that's that's my take on it. Just want to chime in a little on what um, Sam just shared about the fact that it was probably a recognized culture among the Jews. And yes, I believe it was because you realize that for Ruth, I mean, for Naomi, when her sons died, she was telling her daughters-in-law that I do not have any other son to give you. And even if I gave birth now, the child, it would take a while before the son grew. So, it I mean, it alludes to the fact that they did have such culture where if a man died, his brother would take the spouse to have a child or raise a child in the name of the dead man. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's, that's, that's great. And we'll be um, maybe rounding up with Jesus' answer. So I'll just read Jesus' answer and maybe we give our thoughts on Jesus' answer and our final submission on the whole thing about asking questions right so the chapter is the verse 29 says jesus replied you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of god at the resurrection people will neither marry nor be given in marriage they will be like the angels in heaven but about the resurrection of the dead have you not read what god said to you i am the god of abraham the god of isaac and the god of jacob he is not the god of the dead of the living the thing about you realize that's one um the the, the the first question from the pharisees jesus left them with a deep truth but it was like he left it kind of open so if they had asked um what belongs to god then maybe would have answered them right then another point that jesus makes over here is that i am the god of abraham and the god of the living and not of the day so realize that now 
from what you can understand that Jesus was telling Adam, you know that Abraham is not dead. You know that Abraham is still alive. You know that Isaac is still alive. You know Jacob is still alive. And I was just trying to um, emphasize the point that you guys, I mean, he said he definitely, he obviously told them that you are in error, right? So this is one thing, one technique, one, I mean, from these two instances, and even if we go through all of this, realize that Jesus doesn't, after Jesus um, answers the question, right, he either he would leave an open statement that gives a deeper truth or um, when you go down to the i mean the verse 41 to 44 he also asked them one question and now no one was able to answer in the despair so that's one thing i think we can also glean from this and just some thoughts from my end to sum up when sam was making the summary, she realized that what what is he one thing that i find um very uh i don't i don't seem to understand this okay fine we, I mean, we are, we have, been, we've been talking about the idea of echo chambers, right? So if you find yourself in roughly speaking a Christian echo chamber, then the idea is that you submit to a Christian echo chamber, right? But if you don't want to submit to a Christian echo chamber, as far as I'm concerned, that is fine. But you should be consistent in what you believe. But I've seen even coming from all the LGBTQ plus M MPF, all like, <laughs> all this stuff plus the the issue that some raise, it's as if these people, their conscience is freaking them so hard they like they know that they are doing they are fighting a up uphill task right uphill they are moving a, a is it uphill battle or doing an uphill task where they know like they know the answer right they really know but it seems to me that they want to is it have eat their cake and have it they want to be part of the christian or let's say this particular view but yet still um they want to do things their way and that is um, one thing that we um, observing our society, I think Abdul Muriel, uh, Abdul Muriel, yeah, that's the name. Um, one of his book, one of his books, Saving Truth, he communicated the idea that you are in a what we call a post-truth culture. This culture says that, yeah, I know this is true, but I don't care. It's not as if you are fighting to know what the truth is. These people are like, we know what the truth is, but we don't care. We want to still have it our way. So this, these are some of the things that come to mind with Jesus and answering Jesus answering some thoughts that I glean from our stance. If you belong to, you don't want to be a Christian. I am not sure anyone um, would be against you, but it's like I want to be a Christian in my own way, right? Everyone wants to have a customized version of a worldview, which is kind of quite systematic and consistent with its um, assumptions and all that. But people are like, let's pick and choose from all other places and let them have a cocktail of food view or a cocktail of a religion. And it looks like that's what we have over here. We are seeing over here with the kind of questions people pose. Yeah, so um, um, anyone, okay, let's see, Kwampa, you can come in with, the, on Jesus' answer, what you want to share about it and maybe some closing thoughts as well. Uh, oh, please, I didn't get the question. You said I should so, share on. So, yeah, so Jesus' answer was, let me quickly go to Jesus' answer. Jesus replied, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. But about the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what God said to you? I am the God of Abraham, God, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. So like giving Jesus answer and the kind of question they ask, what do you think is happening over here? How beautiful do you think it meets the demand they were making? Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So yeah, definitely. When they came to him with the question, these are people who do not believe, you know, in the resurrection. And so I think that earlier I was making a submission and then, you know, my internet just went off. So And so clearly Jesus is saying that, you know, in the resurrection, we don't marry. And like marriage is, you know, um, very earthly. And so in the resurrection, there's no, there's no marriage there. And then he also goes on to say that God is the God of the living and not the God of the dead. And that is the God of, you know, Abraham, Isaac and then, you know, Jacob. So I think that clearly he deals with the, you know, situation very clearly because the question they brought about if there were marriage in the resurrection, and I think that their question would be very legitimate, but then Jesus shows them that, you know, no, your question, you've, you've missed it. He says that you're in error, you're wrong. You've clearly missed it. But I think that at the beginning, I was trying to make a point about the silliness of the question. And you know, I, I think that um, Arabic and then, you know some talked about how in the in the in the in their culture it would it would sound like a legitimate question. I think that for me the silliness has to do with the fact that they were actually considering or thinking of marriage in the resurrection. That's where the silliness comes in for me. And I think that Jesus also recognizes that and tells them that 
in the resurrection we do not you know marry i think it handles it uh, more with more grace than i would have if i were in that situation handles with a lot of grace than i would have and then also it shows them that have you not read you know to it goes back clearly they've read it they've read the scriptures and they know the scriptures that god is the is the god of abraham isaac and jacob and so it goes back to like they are coming into the scriptures with a sort of preconceived idea and so when they read that they would never think of it the way that you know jesus uh, thinks of that scripture like when god says i'm the god of abraham or i'm the god of isaac i'm the god of jacob you know like in genesis 26 god was telling isaac that he's the god of abraham his father so when you know sadducee is reading that he would never approach it from the way that jesus is approaching it clearly because he, he already has a preconceived idea about the resurrection and so he would definitely interpret that difference and then jesus clearly brings the right interpretation you know um for them over here and so I think that from what I can learn from this is definitely when someone brings you um, a question and it depends on what the person's motive is. I think that Jesus, even even though he knows their motives, he still teaches them because they are ready to learn. And, you know, at least, thankfully, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they are learned people. So when they come to ask you questions, you know, at least you can teach them. Unlike some people who are not really interested in learning anything, but just want to prove a point. And then Jesus was able to teach them. And so definitely you must always recognize who want to learn, even if they come with um, a sort of agenda. Like, you know, how someone was saying that the person about the birth center, if the person was somebody, you know, a learned person, you know, like, you know, Araba, you see Araba is a learned person. Huh. Then some could reason with the person on that level, but clearly he wasn't. And it's like people who are just on Twitter, just saying, you know, all sorts of things. Okay, you cannot reason with such people, you cannot have a fruitful discussion, you cannot answer any question of those people. But then if the person comes and the person is ready to learn, then you can really, really engage the person on that level. Yeah. Yeah, Sam, you can come in. Okay, yes. So um from the gift to Caesar or belong to Caesar, there are either two things. Either and the fact that they didn't ask um Jesus um give to God what belongs to God, the fact that they ask him what are the things that belong to God means that either one they knew the answer, or two, they did not care about the answer. So I'll assume that they knew the answer because these are people who are learned, and I'm sure they would have they might they would have read the scriptures that we were created in the image of God. So I'm sure they clearly knew what Jesus was implying by his statement. And the same thing about when those who came about the resurrection. And yeah, I agree with Krampa that the sameness of that question was this resurrection idea doesn't make sense. It really doesn't make sense. And you know, sometimes people, we have we, we feel the same thing, especially people who claim that how can you claim Jesus is God? It doesn't make sense. Like the what uh, God had a son, then people want to go to um, the extreme of mocking that where is the mother of Jesus? How did like God like you get it? So in their attempts, they are trying to be wise, like trying to rationalize the idea that how can God have a son? And the son is dead. So is the son God now or his man? You know, all that kind of thing. And it shows either one, their ignorance, that is their disinterest in reading. People who ask this thing, if they've ever spent time to read the scripture, you will know the idea of, about how God has a son. And that what Jesus was saying, that if you ever spend time to read about marriage, about the idea about marriage, that till death does each other part, you will know the answer to your question. But I guess you are not interested in the answer. That is why you do not search. And so I basically, that's what Jesus was trying to tell them, that if you are really interested in the answer, you would have searched for it. And I find out that we, we do the same thing, but our version might be different. Sometimes people come to you and say, oh, I I think I read a story about somebody, um, I forgot the real context, but he, he went to see somebody that, oh, Charlie, he wants to be rich. So I think you want to see a man of God that, oh, I want your anointing, that kind of thing. And the person just gave um, the person who asked the question a book to read or a video to watch, I think a sermon to watch. Then he was um, occasionally asking, oh, have you watched the sermon? Have you watched the sermon? And every time the person was given an excuse. So one day that the person came to visit, yes, the person came for prayers, sorry. The person came for prayers for, I think, anointing or something. And the person told her, oh, go and watch, let's say, a message by so-so-and-so. 
and like papa and sheep. He was asking everywhere, everywhere. Then about a year later, the person thought that um, the papa had forgotten that he came for prayers for this. So he came again and oh, pray for me. And I was like, oh, but you came last year. And I told you to go and watch something. He's like, oh, yes, you know, I've not had the time to so and so. So according to the story, the person took the, the sheep's phone and said, you have Netflix. And the person was able to find, um, go through all the movies he had been able to watch on Netflix. Just within, let's say, in a week. But giving you a sermon for over a year, you have not been able to watch the sermon. It just shows that people are not really interested in that thing. And as you said, we lack our own version of Christianity. And me, my, I, me personally, I wonder why you would do that. I know people in my church that they come to church often, not always. But you see that they are making no attempt to live the Christian life. And I'm wondering, why are you worrying yourself? If you are in the world, please be in the world. Like, enjoy, roll with the big boys, bum bum. I could, they come to church early. I'm like, why are you worrying yourself? Because you show no desire to live the Christian life. And it's like Herod, when he was, when he came to John the Baptist, the Bible said that every evening he would let John the Baptist come and preach to him. But this guy was sleeping with his brother's wife and he had no intentions of, of doing the right thing. Yet still, he wants to listen to John the Baptist. But I think that for many of us, we want Jesus to be our savior, not our Lord. So we are interested in the saving abilities of Jesus and not his lordship. And I think for Christians, too, many people are just interested in their religious activities, but they're not willing to pay the price to really know the, the rules of engagement of their faith. They have to make a, a, a fool of themselves with some questions that they ask. Yeah, okay. Well, that's great. Albert, you can come in with your, with your thoughts as well. Okay, yeah, on, the, um, on Jesus' answer in your closing. Um, yeah. All right. Thank you. Um, on Jesus' answer, um, I like how, okay, well, I like what he said, but then it's interesting how he started saying that you err because you do not know the scriptures nor the power of God. Um, it shows us that sometimes people ask certain questions because they're actually ignorant about certain things. And Okay, for me, the way Jesus answered, I realized that he was he was not, um, I don't know, sometimes somebody asks you a question and you're just giving any answer because you know the person, when you're serious, like, you're not serious, how can you ask me this? But Jesus was actually interested in clarifying things for them and letting them know what the truth was. So we should also recognize that sometimes people would come to us with different questions and it is because they do not have a certain knowledge or in this case you know jesus said you don't know the scriptures nor the power of god the power of god is experienced and they may not have the experiences that you may have had they may not know the things that you know so um instead of just rubbishing the question or answering it on the surface which we tend to do probably help them now to come to that place of your knowledge so Jesus recognized the fact that they did not know the scriptures and that's how come they asked the question the way they do and I'm thinking that maybe they genuinely, genuinely thought that there would be marriage in the afterlife. Maybe they hadn't really thought it through because this was a culture that was saying that raise, in fact, it's, it's a, it's, I, I just stumbled on another train of thoughts. If there's a culture that is saying that raise children in the name of somebody who has passed on, if the person has no life after death why is it necessary to even raise children in the name of that person what relevance is there okay maybe for inheritance purposes but that's that's just another angle but then all i'm saying is that we should recognize as jesus did that sometimes people do not have the knowledge nor the experiences that we have which have informed the things that we see or how we understand things that we do so sometimes just need to be a bit more open and then answer with grace and with understanding knowing that maybe the person doesn't know what you, you know okay thank you yeah thank you so we've had a very exciting i mean we, i know we can go on and on and on but yeah we have a lot of examples that we can drill into but just adding a few thoughts to what i ever said remember i spoke about the socratic method right what what that uh, that, that that method of approaching um, of knowledge inquiry basically uses questions so once again, our viewers, you might want to find out what the Socratic method and all is to drill a little further. You realize that Ava just pointed out a different train of thought that she just turned on. One thing is, I don't know, when you try to do like being philosophical and all that, for some people it comes across as very unspiritual. So sometimes I try, depending on who I'm speaking, so I try to limit that part. But realize that if you start, instead of just providing an answer like Jesus did, which was helpful to them. Sometimes when you drill into the question and keep questioning the questioner, 
and all that. Some of the questions solve the struct. Like you realize that the, 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 how, how I think Ravi put it this way, they have their feet firmly planted in midair. And that's when you, you try to question the question and poke, first of all, you test the legitimacy of the question first before you start to even provide an answer. And you realize that most of the time the question is solved, distract, and that's what we see all over the place. And uh, it's just one interesting thing. And also I want to finally add that it's not necessarily um, uh, some people want a version of Christianity themselves, but I think from our last episode, we mentioned that people want to, people just want to be create a God in their own image. People just want to be God. I mean, that's a foundational, fundamental issue that we are having all over the place with all sorts of questions. At the end of the day, they just want to direct the affairs of their lives and how the world interacts with them. And that's one potential challenge that we find with um, where a lot of people come from in the way they ask their questions. I think we um, this is a good place to... Um, we have a lot of... So, I mean, for our reader and for our listeners, you can just look at, just, you can, if, I don't know how some of you studies, you do Bible studies on your own, but like you can just take the uh, various instances where Jesus was questioned and all that and just study it and gain a lot of wisdom and a lot of, uh, roughly speaking, strategies and how to engage others and even know how to ask the very right questions. And I know that we are going to be super blessed. Um, at this moment, let's just, um, offer a word of prayer even as we round up this episode. Father, we thank you for um, being with us and being able to go through this. I mean, it's so beautiful that whenever we discuss truth, we discuss your word and we have this conversation, our lives are enriched and we keep enjoying it. And um, I think the same experience that um, David spoke about, that he would rather be in your presence forever because this is a joy that we receive. We thank you for making this even possible for us. You're asking that even by this conversation, may people listen to us, even develop the love for engaging others and even having conversation about truth and this very serious matters that even have a bearing on their lives. And we are trusting that by this, you'll be glorified in a lot of, many, in a lot of people's lives in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you. We bless your name in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 We hope the conversation was an enlightening one. Stick with us and keep listening to us as we delve deeper into the subject of exiting our echo chamber and truly learning how to be in the world but not of the world in the subsequent episodes. Thank you.